0: This is the Educated home Buyer. Everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Hey guys, welcome to another week of the Educated Homebuyer Live. Uh, you know, Josh wasn't really expecting me to be here. I just kind of showed up, um, had some additional family emergencies kind of going back to what happened a couple weeks ago. Um, But we're home. We can talk about a little bit more in the show, Josh, but um, we've seen a meaningful move in interest rates, right? Uh, You know, from the last week or so of data to, you know, CPI more or less coming in line, didn't do a lot. But then today what we saw is the Fed essentially paused rates for the third consecutive time. But that's, you know, kind of, you know, where things were pretty even kill, I think. And then then we really saw the the move on the dots um, in, in, in the Fed more or less changing its stance in 2024. And we're going to dive into all of that in tonight's episode as we look at charts, update you on the housing market. But before we do that, Josh, what's going on today in your world? My world was uh, upside down a bit
1: your your world was personal chaos my life was work chaos we've got two files it's funny um we get the the negative nellies that love to show up in the the comments saying oh there's there's no no one's buying no one's refinancing um the numbers are way down but what I will say is the transactions that we're doing are noticeably more difficult so we have two two hairy ones we're going to get them done but my my day was chasing my tail trying to connect the dots on a couple a, a difficult refi and a difficult purchase
0: Got it. And and so for those of you wondering, Jeb, you got all this craziness going on. What are you doing here? Well, this gets my mind off of other things. So this gets me talking about things that are completely unrelated to the things I've been talking about for the last 24 hours, which in some weird ways, actually therapy for a bit. So I don't know that I'll last the entire show, but um, quick update, you know, six weeks ago, wife had full cardiac arrest. Many of you guys know that um, yesterday. She, she had the fibrillator installed when that happened. Yesterday, she actually received two shocks to, the, to her chest because of an arrhythmia in her heart. Long story short, we were in the emergency room for the last 24-plus hours, and now we're back home. So um, at the moment, all is well. She is doing well. Um, yeah, long story. Can get into it later, but that, that's where we're at. So, Josh. And for um, those of
1: you who, who, like me, have no idea what that means, the fibrillator shock, um, I'm am I understanding correctly, Jeb, that it feels about like a mule kick to the chest when you get yeah, a little kickstart yeah, yeah, like it's, that? Uh
0: it, it is it is my under unpleasant is my understanding. It says like getting punched in the chest, uh, you know, by like Mike Tyson or uh, a horse kicking <laughs> you in the chest. I was actually holding her yesterday when she got the second shock and mm-hmm. I could feel the shock all the way to me um so yeah craziness out there um with regards to that but fortunately it did its job she's here um and in good spirits and able to talk and you know nothing again she's she's in a really good place so you know with all things considered so uh but that's not why you guys are here you guys are here to hear about the housing market and we're going to do that and talk about it through some charts and um as we always do We'll start with the chart here on the screen um kind of already started up this week josh we didn't even start out with the our big heads or started out with the the numbers on the screen so you guys have probably been looking at it for for the better part of uh the first five minutes on here but inventory has peaked we talked about that last week we saw another um drop in in available homes for sale nationwide we're now sitting at five hundred forty six thousand orange county down at 2088 huntington beach 179. so all of those numbers are lower week over week, and we're going to see it more in the charts coming up again. The same chart we just kind of looked at going back a little bit further, and then once again, um, new listings. So, this time I pulled up the new listings data, um, you know, from the previous years, and we actually had you know more new listings come to the market this past week than we did last year, same week, but lower than the previous year. So, you know, historically speaking, new listings are still down significantly, and that's one reason along with seasonality that we're not really seeing this uptick in um, inventory. Uh, we saw inventory go from 555 to 546. The same last same week last year, we went from 550 to 536. So right now inventory is still sitting higher than it was last week. Interest rates are higher than they were this uh, time last week or the same period last week. So even with higher rates, we're not far off on the inventory numbers, which is a bit of a shock. Um, and then you kind of see that parlayed into the price cuts data that we'll look at in a minute, but you can see here, median home price, uh, we're sitting at 425, median price of new listings at 377, not going to drag on in a lot of these charts, um, total home contracts pending, uh, saw a noticeable drop from where we were last week. Um, again, seasonality has a lot to do with, with what we're seeing right now. Also less available properties out there to choose from when going through that home buying process. And then compared to last year, price drops, you know, we're still sitting at somewhere around 39% versus the 43% number that we saw in 2022. And then another variation of that same chart. I like this chart a lot better, but I put both of them in because, you know, it's just depending on what your eye likes to see, kind of gives you a different view of it. Uh, But just kind of shows you where we are in price drops versus where we've been in years past. Um, and as you can see, we had more price drops than we did in the previous, you know, four years or outside of 2022 or five years outside of 2022. 10-year treasury, Josh, this is one we need to talk about because, you know, this chart doesn't even fully reflect um, the, the the final drop that we saw, although it pretty looks pretty close to it. But today, the 10-year sitting at 4.02 or somewhere in that ballpark at the moment. Is that right?
1: Closed at three ninety nine, so three ninety nine five seven, so just a hair under wow. four.
0: Yeah, so just under four percent. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more here as we start talking about rates. Uh, but Josh, since the last episode, which was a week ago, we had you know you can go over the information here, but we had weekly came, claims, which we talked about last week, would be coming out. We had non farm payrolls coming out, which came out after the fact, and then we had CPI and the Fed. So let's talk about the two here on the screen.
1: So the reason why we wanted to throw it up Jeb is you and I were talking about hey data packed we get we get the weekly claims we get we get the the monthly report we get CPI we get the fed so in the 5 days since we uh, we've been here talking with you guys four of those 5 days had big news and what was kind of instructive and a little bit telling for what we saw today with the big reaction to the fed movement is none of this data was particularly bond friendly and yet the market kept improving so we look initial claims were up a thousand to, to 220,000 218 exp- so right in line, but not a positive surprise. Continuing claims, we're down 64,000. That's negative. Uh, it's 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 good news for the economy, good news for people with jobs, uh, but bad news when bond holders or bond buyers are looking for, for negative news. The non-farms payroll up 199,000 versus 190. And remember, we talk about here, the most important thing is what the number comes in relative to expectations. If you have a high number, it can come in slightly less high but be negative because it missed that number in this case 190 is a low number 199 is not a huge number but definitely a positive definitely a beat so up 0.4 uh on the monthly earnings it was expected to be up 0.3 up four percent year over year pretty much as expected average hours worked pretty much in line household survey 747,000 new jobs 500,000 more people looking for jobs. So unemployment went down from 3.9 to 3.7. So if you've been watching along with us here for any period of time, that household survey is wonky and just crazy. And you get big moves and we get unemployment moving down. When we expect it to move up, up when we expect it to move down. But big picture, all of that data said not much, but the market kept improving. Yesterday, CPI. This is funny to me, Jeb. I don't know if you were blown away by the headlines. I think I give... Um, Market watchers too much credit for knowing what's going on. We've talked about this. Hey, it's going to be flat or slightly disappoint just because we have really low numbers for the last two months of last year falling off. And what do we have? You look at those numbers, 0.3 versus 0.3 expected, one versus one expected on the headline number. Core, which is what the Fed watches more closely, up 0.1 versus 0.0. Um, and then year over year, four, four. So nothing there. And then this is where the So, real so explain,
0: discussion. Josh, though, real quick, how you can have a 0.1, so an uptick, but yet the year over year remains the same.
1: It's all rounded, so when they when they aggregate them for the year, it's not quite as simple as just adding up the twelve figures because the .1 might have been .06 and it gets rounded up to .1. So when you look at it uh, on the year over year, the aggregate still adds up to four percent. So there's there's definitely false precision, Jeb. When we look at these numbers every month, we're talking about oh we know it was .2 or it was .6 or it was .0. Like really, they're they're imprecise numbers and they're rounded. And when we look at it, just again, not a whole lot of movement. And generally, we would have expected that uh, that the market might not have liked it, but it pretty much shook it off. The most important part, Jeb, where I was talking about, I'm seeing headlines as, "Oh my God, um, inflation seems to be gaining steam. Uh, the Fed may have to step back into action, or maybe we don't see the hikes that or the cuts that we're looking for next year." And the reality is totally expected, totally foreseeable. And when we look forward. January, February, March, April, we have big numbers falling off. And the last two, three, four months have been little numbers. So barring something really unforeseen, we're going to see that number moderate. And we're going to be real close to 2% by the end of the spring, which takes us to today, Jeb. Everyone looks, okay, the Fed did nothing. So that's now five months. July was the the last hike, uh, I believe. So we're looking at five months since they've done anything, three meetings, no hikes. And the, the big expectation going into this is what is the Fed going to say, this is one of the meetings, uh, one of the four meetings here when they do their dot plots, which is their expectation of what comes uh, over the next two to three years and kind of the expectation was that Powell and the Fed wouldn't have liked that mortgage rates and treasury yields had dropped so much over the last month. And they might try to talk up uh, their position in terms of hawkishness going forward, but they didn't. And we saw a big, big reaction in the bond market. And when we get to the charts where we look at the futures, a monster move in in the futures relative. So this Jeb just shows um, last Last time, two meetings ago, when they did their dot plots, they said maybe a half a point of cuts next year. Well, now we got that um, median for next year all the way back down to point nine. So it basically took us back to where we were two months ago, um, median for 2026, 2.9. So when we look forward, they are seeing the same things that we're seeing. Inflation is moderating, rates should normalize, and we're going to find out what the new normal is post, say, 2010. That was really the last time that, that the government, the Fed, wasn't heavily involved in manipulating interest rates. So we're going to find out sometime over the next one, two years, because we do not expect them to come back in and do quantitative easing or even stop the quantitative tightening, which you'll see in his comments he addressed today. But the the reality is the, the discovery going forward over the next year or two is how quickly we adjust to the new normal and what that new normal looks like. And I don't think anybody really knows
0: no i agree yeah i mean it's uh i mean he basically you know did what what the market expected and, and i think that's what we've been talking about the whole time i mean he's not going to front load the market but at the same time he didn't step back and say anything that made the market think otherwise which helped help bonds and um that that's been a well, good thing so um, up, I, I don't necessarily think we can count you know a rate cut in, uh, but we'll see. I don't know if you put those charts in because I haven't had an opportunity to look at them. But I mean, we we jumped to what fifty seven percent, I think, in March of a of a rate cut now.
1: Sixty five point nine percent as of today.
0: Oh, all so sixty five. That, that,
1: again. That's again how quickly it changes. Jeb, you probably looked at it first thing this morning before the Fed meeting, and that's that's what it's looking at. But let's look real quick. I always like to say, see what Powell is saying not necessarily because he can be transparent and tell us, but what he's saying is important. Um, While we believe our policy rate is likely at or near its peak for this cycle, we've been surprised in the past. We're still focused on the question of whether rates are high enough. We're prepared to tighten policy further if appropriate. So we've talked before on the show, Jeb, that policy announcements can have the impact of policy action. He is trying to talk the market into believing they might hike again, not necessarily leaning towards the cuts that the market is expecting. But then he follows through and, and says some other things that contradict this a little bit. It is not likely we'll hike further. You need to reduce restriction on the economy well before 2%. So we've heard people saying, well, the Fed's not going to hike until we we get back down to 2%. He's saying, no, if you wait till you get to 2%, you kept your foot on the brake too long. Um, We've seen reasonable progress in non-housing services inflation. You and I have been hammering for six, seven months, showing the charts that it's fairly predictable going forward that housing inflation will continue to trend down. The important part is what the Fed was looking at is that service-based inflation has been high. Now he's seeing non-housing service inflation is making progress. There's a general expectation that rate cuts will be a topic of conversation going forward. That is the first that we've seen since this hiking cycle at the beginning of 2022, where they've even made reference to even thinking, discussing, considering, Cuts. So that's as much as you're going to get out of them. They're not going to tell you anything. So Jeff, I threw this chart in here because it gives us a little different look. So 89% chance in January that rather than showing every potential uh, range of action on the spectrum, it just breaks it down to the ease or hike or no change. 89% chance of no change in January. They meet again in March, 26% chance of no change, but 73% chance when you mm-hmm. aggregate it like this. Because when I was saying 65.9%, that's the chance of a quarter percent cut. There's a, a 7% mm-hmm. chance of, of a half point cut. I don't I don't see that happening. We would have to see the market really, really cool between now and then. But go out the rest of the year, oh, 95% in May, 99% in June, 99%, you know, 99.9% in July. So you look at that, they won't act at every one of these and they won't be moving a quarter or even a half in those. But you can see the the futures market is expecting big actions in terms of cutting from the Fed next year. Here's that chart, Jeb, 65.9. So that just moves down like the greatest likelihood that the market is seeing is 150 basis points of cuts between now and December of next year. six, Six cuts, guys. That's wild. I mean, that that's that's far beyond what I would have expected would have come out of today. Um, yeah, just put this again, in for-
0: something to keep in mind. No guarantees there. Right, guys. Predictions. Of, so anything can change. Data changes at all. Then you see you're going to see a change in those numbers. Something important to reflect, though, or, 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 or think on um, or even watch is that January. You know, we mentioned that, you know, November, December have very low numbers coming off that you're going to replace. January and February I think you're you're replacing like a 0. 0.5 and a 0. 0.4 Josh so if you replace yep. it with a 0. 0.1 0.0 something like that I mean you're going to you're going to drop almost a full percent off inflation in just January and February alone I mean so you're talking you know that's why I think they're looking at March going March is probably the the, the call so
1: the the interesting thing uh is that 48 days until the next meeting, the Fed only meets eight times a year. So we have almost two months and we're gonna get a lot of data in the next 48 days. Just the data that Jeb was talking about um, likely to, to move things forward. And that's why we probably have a greater chance of a move in January than what you would normally see, just because there's so much time. If we had a meeting in 30 days, it would be a 98% chance that they don't do anything. Um, this is the calendar for next year. So we get a meeting in January, no February, not until March. The meeting in an april and june that front half of the year by by june we're going to know a lot more like jeb saying nothing's baked into the cake that cme fed watch tool that is a now cast it changes every day it changes throughout the day you know we could have some craziness happen between now and the end of the month and those numbers completely revert but that's what we're likely to see um jeb a lot of this stuff we're going to buzz through these super quick but Im- important to see um we saw last week, 3.9 inflation down to 3.7. We talked about those numbers being wonky and not being super dependable. But the important thing to look at is prior to a recession, every time we get to it, we get to a near term low in terms of unemployment. So people point to that and say, hey, we can't have a recession, unemployment's really low. Like, well, that's been one of the greatest predictors of recession that we have, almost infallible here when you when you look at that. Uh, this one wanted to hear uh, show that uh, Fed reserve actions regarding hiking rates have about a six quarter lead over change to economic growth so again people talk about hey the economy is super strong we're not going to have a recession and q3 we saw those really big gdp numbers but given the last fed rate hike it was in q2 of this year such would suggest a further slowing in economic activity into the end of 2024. so uh, again it's reasonable to expect that that massive hiking cycle is going to have an impact and we're only starting to feel it. This here says 2023 disinflation has been driven by unwinding of supply shocks. We've talked about this from the beginning of this. We had high levels of inflation due to two things. Lots of liquidity pumped into the economy in terms of money supply, money going into people's hands, an increase of velocity once people came out of being locked down during covid but most importantly, a limited amount of supply just because supply chain issues. This chart shows you that demand isn't changing a lot. It's just supply has improved and you're not seeing that inflation. This again, uh, another chart uh, for now, it's job done on inflation. Jeff, we could slice this up 15 different ways. Whether you wanna look at a three month average or six month average, look at what's coming next. We're going to not be talking about inflation towards the middle of next year. And again, because we're gonna trigger some of you by saying that, that does not mean prices are going to go down and things are going to get more affordable. It's going to mean they are ceasing to go up at the absurd rates that we saw in 2022 and early 2023 that made everyone so uncomfortable. This one, Jeb, I thought was a super good chart. A lot of easing potential. We had someone in the comment section this week say, Fed's never going to be uh, taking their foot off the gas until something breaks. Well, they officially said themselves today that they are looking to do it before something breaks. But this is showing that in in general, Powell has come out and said they would like to see Fed funds rate in the ballpark, in the neighborhood of core PCE. And we were seeing that core PCE was a good bit higher than Fed funds. So meaning you have a negative Fed funds rate every time that darker green line is below the mint. And now that is reversed and we have a 200 basis point positive real, real interest rate. That's big.
0: And and that's why when you hear the the Fed say we have restrictive policy, that's essentially what they're saying, right? The, the, that they're uh that their policy is higher than the rate of inflation which is super restrictive and that's essentially now um i I wouldn't say that they're going back on what they want but powell even came back i mean came out last year at some point and said that he would like inflation to be around um the fed funds rate to be around inflation right so kind of what you just mentioned and we're sitting at four percent core inflation right now so that's a, a one and a half percent drop, So that's, that's kind of the number that's baked in, well, not baked into the cake, but that's being thrown out at the moment.
1: Jeff, while you were talking through that, I was thinking back to the last few charts and this makes more sense. Cause you say, Hey, if the futures market is saying 150 basis points of cuts next year, like, well, Hey, we're 200 basis points positive in terms of real rates right now, but we know mm-hmm. that inflation is going to be coming down. This is showing it at, you know, just under 4%. Let's say it drops to two and a half percent. So that would put us there another percent lower. That would be 300 basis points. So if the Fed cuts 150 basis points, we still have 150 basis points of real rates there. They are still restrictive at that point. This isn't the Fed going, hey, guys, here's free money. Let's stimulate the economy. That's still restrictive. And to me, that says they may cut even more than that, as crazy as that sounds at first glance. Um, This is just, again, another look at Fed futures out through February of 2025. They see it down at 4%, but this was prior to the the Fed meeting today. These numbers, if we had the same chart, would be a half percent lower now. Um, how long for cuts after a hiking cycle, we just talked, they have not hiked in five months and this shows that it's about on the low end four months to as many as 15 months before they start cutting. But if we get to March, what does that give us about nine months, puts us right in the median range of of how long it would take. So March feels about right. January sounds early. March feels about right. Um, this again is just another look at that chart that we looked at last week that showing Our Fed has not cut, but we went from these massive hiking cycles in 2021 around the world to now everyone is cutting everyone most uh, Fed policy actions in, in other uh, governments are are cutting. So we're going to be seeing that. Um, through this one in here, Jeb, just historical length of recessions and market declines. You can kind of see how long does a recession last if we hit one. We were talking last week, it doesn't really matter whether it's 0.5% positive growth, 0.5% negative growth. We're going to have a slow economy. It's going to feel hazy, fuzzy, not great to most people, but it's not gonna be a terrible recession. Um, But if you look at this, they go anywhere from three months, that was the COVID recession, probably exclude that one, but six to to 12 months, if you look at everything in the last 50 years or so, six to 18 months. So 2024 is probably not gonna be the greatest economically. If you look bigger picture, the red bar on the bottom Jeb shows how the markets react, market declines during a recession. It's about 20 to 30% negative. And we just hit, Thanks to the the reaction to the the Fed uh, announcement today, all time high on the Dow. So we'll see. There's a lot of room for it to come down and still be at pretty lofty levels. So, wanted to throw this in, this one this one in here, Jeb. Two quick ones here, just showing purchase applications. We talk here every week. Hey, the data is trending up. Yes, the data is trending up. You can't see it, but the little uptick in that four week moving average gets us up to the gray dash line. We are doing much better than we were uh, two months ago, but far worse than we were a year ago and pretty much the lowest level since 1996. So 25 years, and this is refinances. Refinances haven't ticked up. So we've seen rates over the last, what, six weeks, Jeb? Eight weeks, move down a lot and it's not stimulating refinance activity. And that really just goes back to the charts that we've gone through a million times here. Most everyone's already sitting on a great rate. Going from eight to seven or seven to six isn't gonna stimulate a lot of, of refinance activity and this is just again another another look at that low activity. Activity is improving, it's better, but not good by any stretch.
0: All right, good stuff. So, um guys, you know, while somebody will point it out, uh, you know, the title of the episode was what Redfin predicts home prices will fall and new listings will rise in 2024. You know what I think is funny is if you actually go into the article, which is linked in the description of this video, it'll be on the podcast too if you're listening to it there, that they're predicting a 1% drop in in in, uh in prices they're way out on the limit headline yeah I mean but but that's not what the the headline reads prices will fall fall like they're gonna go down one percent that doesn't seem like a fall to me so important to pay attention to the headlines now if you go a little bit deeper in the article they do mention some other cities the cities that appreciated the most that had you know more inventory those cities will see more of it but again important to understand context when you're looking at the stuff we like to point it out we all like to get views and clicks and all of that stuff but make sure you're digging into the article and actually know what you're reading and what you're understanding um that said josh this past week on the educated home buyer as you know we talked about the true cost of home ownership um, beyond the down payment and closing costs we talked about things from moving expenses to hoas to insurance to various things that you need to consider as a home buyer And that episode's already got like six or seven hundred downloads on the podcast, and um, done well on the YouTube channel as well. So if you haven't listened to it, go over and check it out. Some things to think about if you're planning for 2024. If you're not a subscriber of the Educated Home Buyer, make sure you do that. Um, Like the channel, subscribe to the to the channel. And if you like this content and you're not subscribed here, please do that and like it here as well. So with that, Josh, I think uh, we're almost 30 minutes into this, and we haven't answered one single question, but we do have. I think a two super chats. super chats that came in. Um, the first one's from Rod. Says, "Can you explain after clear to close the step when the closer balances with the title? How long does it take for that to be done on average?" So, Josh, quick overview of the process, right? Loan docs go. I mean, you essentially sign some sort of disclosures to start the process, um, and then you sign a final set of those documents towards the end. That's not actually your 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 closing documents. It's a clear to close, which you guys get. So, what happens from the time you sign that until the end?
1: So again, the answer here is it depends, and it depends largely on where you are in the country. If you are in a state where that clear to close and docs go out and the loans funded, a wet funding state where the funds go with your loan docs, then this is a much more important process. That collaboration between the closer and title or escrow, they need to make sure those fees are dead on exact. For us here in California, in other escrow states, it's less important if we need to change something, tweak something. There cannot be big and significant changes to you, but we need to get it 98% correct. And if there's something at the margins, we can correct it as we go. So how long does that process normally take? Um, Generally, it's a couple of hours. If escrow or the closing department are backed up, it could take a day. If there's some back and forth, some confusion, some issues, problems, it could take two days, but that would be an extreme case. It's usually a matter of hours, uh, can take up to a day. So hopefully that's helpful and answers your question.
0: Good stuff. And then we had, do we have one other one to start the show or no? Was I it just, was
1: Rod uh, again, yes. and you kind of already answered it. Back to the the huh? Redfin predicts home prices will fall. Home prices will fall with rates falling. Um, you know, you and I have gone through this a million times. I, I don't see, if we have a significant move down in rates, I don't see how home prices come down. What's What's no. Redfin's theory on it?
0: I mean, you know, again, you can read the article, but I mean, there are some areas of the country that have seen more inventory that have already seen price declines year over year because of how much they appreciated in that short period of time. Um, is that the norm for the majority of the United States? No, it's not. It's but it's easy to pick out the San Francisco's, the Austin, Texas's is, I just made up a word, Texas's uh, of the world and and use that as the as the majority. No, these are big cities, yes. They saw a lot of appreciation. Now they're seeing some of that pull back. For the majority of you outside of that, it's that's not what you're going to see. Now, again, because of how some of this data is is calculated, you know, you've got multiple between Black Knight, uh, you know, CoreLogic, uh, Case Shiller, all of these different, you know, uh, entities, if you will, doing year over year projections and forecasts and all of that, they all calculate it a little bit differently for the most part and how they come up with their numbers. So you might see some of these depending on what happens with housing. Um, you know, housing stay flat, it could, you could see a small decline in some of these areas. But for the majority of the US, I think, you know, you're, you're going to see flat, if not small growth uh, over the next year, if not, you know, a couple of years, just based on where rates are and where inventory is.
1: It's hard so Josh, to see a recipe for much different, right? No, agree. Flat, yeah. Flat-ish, slightly up, slightly no, we, down.
0: Here, here's the deal. In 2022, we were wrong. 2022, at the end of 2021, we said there's no way that 2022 could look anything like 2021. We just saw a monster year. And guess what? The first three, four months of the year, they said, hold my beer, and prices went bananas again. Right? So we didn't think prices could go up that much that quickly just because of how much they just did it. Now- can you say, well, Jeb? it could go the other way because you guys did predict it to go up that much. Why can't it go down that much? It, it's largely due to interest rates being higher now, borrowers having locked in much lower interest rates, and there's just not a lack of, of inventory out there, or there is a lack of inventory out there in the market. So there's not that recipe for that to take place. Now, if you do see rates go considerably higher, more and more inventory come to the market, then I would say, yeah, you could see you know, a case where home prices would would decline, but at the moment, there's nothing pointing to any instance in which that would happen. So that's kind of where we're at. We could beat this, you know, for 30 minutes, but you know, in order to save you guys some time, we'll we'll move on. Um, Jason had a good question here, Josh, because we were talking a little bit about this. It says, Jeb, are you saying if we get a 0.1 rise in inflation, would we be around the 2% inflation rate? So I don't actually have the month over month chart in front of me, but what I do know is that. Uh, month over or, or that the headline number is where are we sitting at 3% Josh 3.1 yeah 3.1 and I think there's a 0.9 coming off between January and February so if you got 0.9 coming off and both of those months were a 0.2 for example you'd be sitting at like 2.4 somewhere in that ballpark and again I don't have the numbers in front of me I'm just kind of going off what what we've said here um, but that's still not the core number the core number still a little bit higher uh then then that two point four but either way, both those numbers are on the higher end and should be coming down um in in those you know it, w- when they report it, assuming we don't see something crazy with you know fuel or you know anything out there that that reports
1: and that that's the that's the biggest sort of foreseeable wild card is energy prices right now um Oil gas is has been cheap. You know, it spiked in the summer and is moderated to a level. So, if it stays in this range, we're going to be in the twos by by mid to late next year. I mean, not not just in the twos, not two nine, but somewhere in the mid twos, and probably close to the Fed's two percent target in 2025. But you always have that wild card because energy trickles into everything, in, including food. Like literally, almost every product out there, uh, oil finds its way into.
0: No, good stuff. And uh, not not a question, but a comment um, from um, Mr. Smith here it says, thank you for the Reno, Nevada referral. We are contemplating Reno. It will be a big move coming from Washington State. So, yeah, I don't know if you've talked to Brian or not, but Brian's a good dude, um, really smart guy, you know, can definitely take care of you. So make sure, you know, if you do consider that move, you talk to Brian and any of you guys out there watching this, you know, needing a referral for a lender for a realtor anywhere in the U.S. that link below will get you in touch with somebody that can guide you through that process um so Josh we have some questions here about refinancing um I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question that I want to get your answer on so I received a a a text message from somebody here locally and they asked me this question and I want to see what your answer would be it says uh Jeb um it says long time listener to your podcast on spotify i live in san diego born raised in hb have a 6.75 VA loan on a condo i bought a year ago i'm currently talking to my loan officer and a real estate agent and both of them are giving me contradicting advice lo says i should walk wait to refi via an earl until rates drop a little bit more because this uh because he suspects rates will not be increasing much if at all and the agent is saying to refinance now to drop my 6.75 to a 6.25 because I have a realized savings sooner versus later and refi again, if need be, in 210 days. So what would be your response to that?
1: So the important part is that 210 days. Uh, VA 530,000
0: loan amount, FYI.
1: So VA had a monster problem with churning before they implemented the current guidelines that say you have to wait 210 days. You have to have a certain net tangible benefit to doing it because there were refi shops that were just carpet bombing veterans after they got their loan, telling them we can do this. They'll charge you a ton for the loan. It's not really a benefit. So that 210 days is important. And it's 210 days from your first payment. So it's going to take longer than six months, seven to eight months before you can refinance again. That's a big loan. A half percent is a big difference when we talk about jeb million times here on the show One hundred twenty-five thousand divided by your loan amount so 125 by just over 500 tells us we only need to save about a quarter of a percent to to make it worthwhile he can get a half percent right now and that six and a quarter today on the va should be no cost. and this was
0: and this was two days ago so this was yeah no this was tuesday in the hospital so chances are rates probably a little bit lower today maybe even tomorrow
1: yeah. Yeah, because because just so you guys know, big move in the markets today and lenders don't give that all up. They want to see does it as a hold into tomorrow? They dole it out conservatively. So if the market just stays flat, we'll see better rates tomorrow. So again, long way of saying on that size of a loan, six and a quarter should be no cost. So I would lean kind of towards the realtor saying, do it no cost. Do not pay any money. Don't pay points, don't pay escrow, don't pay title. There's no appraisal required on a VA Earl. Should be a very easy, fast, simple process. Knock that one out. Uh, and then look at you're in a position by late late uh, summer next year, like July, August, August, probably more realistically, you should be able to do it again. So if we're wrong, rates don't improve at all, you lock in a pretty significant gain. If we're right and they continue to move lower, you will have another opportunity to do this. And there would be enough of a net tangible benefit. What I always say in a situation like this, a portion of it comes down to the borrower and how willing they are to do the work, to do the loan. VA Earl is pretty simple. You don't have to have an appraiser come out. You're basically e-signing stuff and, and signing with a notary uh, once it comes to loan docs. Very simple, very easy. I would lean towards doing it now. A question that I would have, um, not not casting stones or anything at your, uh, your loan officer, but there is an early payoff penalty to the lender. If you pay off within 180 days of closing. So he may be wanting you to put it off past that 180 days. If you're within that window, or you may already be at 10 months and it's not even a concern at all, but, um, there's not a right or wrong answer. It comes down to your comfort level.
0: Good, good, good stuff. Um, Maddie, a uh, long listener uh, gave us a $10 super chat. So thank you, Matt, for that. Much appreciated, my friend. Um, and happy holidays to you as well. Uh, let's see, Josh. We got a um, couple here. Let's let's. This is a pretty good one. Not something we talk about a lot, but it's a good question. Uh, Scott or S. Scott says, I recently heard about recasting. Is that a good idea? I plan to be my home for a very long time. It will sell my other home next summer and we'll make a sizable profit. So maybe you can talk about what recasting is, Josh. and When is it a good idea?
1: So uh, a recast is if you make a substantial payment, what it won't do on a fixed rate loan is change your monthly payment. So let's say you have a $400,000 loan, you inherit $100,000, you say, I wanna pay my mortgage down to 300. Your monthly payment doesn't change. It will pay off much faster because you just paid a big chunk of the principal. So that fixed monthly payment, more of that is gonna go to principal every month going forward. So some people say, well, I don't want that. I'm cool with 24 more years left on my loan. I want a lower monthly payment. So you can reach out to your servicer and request that they go ahead and do a, a recast, which says, hey, there's 24 years left. This is what that new principal and interest payment would and should be. It is in effect a loan modification. You have to ask them that you can't tell them you're gonna do it and they can uh, charge a small amount of fees for it because they're gonna do some preparing docs for you to sign in and recording that in terms of that loan modification. It's important to note that not all loan types are eligible. So if you wanna do this before you do it, before you make that large commitment and put that money down, reach out to your servicer that you make your payments to and find out
0: if you are able to do that. Good stuff. Um a recast can can make a lot of sense in some cases. Like I've seen I've had clients looking to sell a house and buy another house and fortunately they were in a position to buy the one house without selling their current house, bought the house, sold the other one, took the lump sum that they were going to do anyway and then put it down on the loan and recast it and essentially getting the same loan that they would have gotten otherwise but just able to do it in a way that didn't put them on pressure and having to make, make quick decisions. So just, you know, there are, there are great ways to use it. Um, just know, know if you can do it and, and see if it's the right decision for you. Uh, we, we, John, we have a yep. question
1: here that I want, I want your answer to, but I'm going to tweak the question cause I want, I right. want another answer. So Jason wants to know, what are your projections for interest rates by the end of 2024 I want to know Jeb's projection by the end of 2023. We we were talking six. <laughs> we're getting I pretty darn 6%. close. We're getting pretty I darn said close.
0: Um, I said and people
1: 6%. called you dumb <laughs> and wanted to make fun of you, Jeb. And it looks like you are, <laughs> well, you know, sly like I've a been, fox. And you're right. going to be I've right. I've been
0: wrong more times than I've been right. So I, rightfully so. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, I, I think six is a possibility at this point. I, I still think six is a number that we could see. Um, you know, now does that mean all every borrower out there is going to be able to go and get a six percent loan? No, I'm talking about being able to, you know, uh, a, a conforming loan, good credit scores, twenty percent down, like you know, perfect A plus borrower. You might be able to get something around six percent by the end of the year without having to pay points. I think that's realistic. Twenty twenty four into twenty twenty four.
1: Before before you answer that, let me put that in the context. I had a, a listener reach out today just wanted to see some numbers, see if it made sense. Perfect borrower, 800 credit score, 50% loan to value rate and term refinance. If they wanted to pay a point, they were at six and a quarter. So the numbers you're talking about are not far from reality. You're talking about zero points all the way at six. We are not a long ways away from that.
0: No, we got what, two and a half weeks. I mean, it's realistic. I I don't think we're going to be that far off, uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't sit there and and if I had a lock to, to a rate to lock, I wouldn't sit there and be waiting on it. I mean, that's you know, kind of how I feel about it. Uh, but 2024, you know, I think you see mid fives. I mean, could you at some point next year see a number under mid five? Sure, I, I think probably for the majority of the year, rates are going to be trading somewhere in that five and a half to six and a half percent range, would be my guess for 2024. Um, again, a lot of it has to do with data and what the what happens out there. I just there's a lot of unknowns still. Um, but I feel, feel good about rates being kind of in this range. I don't think we're going to see, you know, anything lower than, you know, five next year. I I would, I'd be surprised to see, to see five, I think five and a half is realistic. What are your thoughts?
1: For, for the end of next year, let's kind of look at it this way. If we get uh, a point and a half of, of fed cuts reasonable and the market sort of, reacts the way we would expect them to. We are <laughs> right at we are right at four percent right now on on the 10 year. So uh three percent ten-year certainly not out of the question seeing some moderation so maybe three two three three somewhere in that range some moderation from the big spreads at three percent that we're seeing right now um as things sort of moderate you get a spread at two low low fives is is reasonable um you know best case would be high fours very low fives and i i think you're you can't even really say worst case because something really could happen with the economy. We saw 8% or close to it just a few months ago. Obviously not that hard for it to happen. It's not foreseeable to me for the next year. So I would think under five and a half, five and a quarter-ish uh, somewhere uh, by the end of next year. And it really, really is a game changer. Historically, that's been an excellent rate. It is not an excellent rate relative to the superb, spectacular, amazing rates we had for two or three years. But in the grand scheme of things, five and a quarter is is very good. With home prices at their current levels, um, it, it will improve affordability a lot. It's not going to take affordability back to historical levels or high levels. So it's still not going to lead to the super high levels of home buying and selling activity that we've been used to over the last few
0: years? Uh, I'm just going to ask this quickly. Maybe you can answer it uh, quickly. Mina says uh, if the Fed were to cut 25 basis points in the second quarter next year, how much would mortgage rates go down? So let's just let's take the quarters out of it uh, as far as the the yearly quarters that say, hey, if the Fed drops it 25 basis points at any point in time, Does that have a direct impact on rates at that point? Does it drop an eighth? Does it drop a quarter? Does it do anything?
1: The bond markets generally front-run Fed actions because the Fed is is telegraphing to a degree what they're thinking of doing. The markets can see it. The markets see the same inflation measures, the same job market measures, wage inflation, actual CPI, PCE, that type of stuff. So I don't think you're gonna see, oh, the Fed cut, now rates are gonna improve a a bunch. It's the Fed cut by a quarter, and now an hour later, we're sitting here and we're watching Powell talk, and he's saying more positive things that are telling us another quarter points coming. Because by the time that quarter point move hits the market has pretty much priced it in they're looking to the next thing so it's not so much what the fed does it's what they say when they do it and where that future direction comes
0: all right um a question from cl this is kind of a softball throw to you josh does it matter which lender you use to refinance are there variable costs to consider aside from the interest rate
1: it always matters what lender you use. No one has the exact same rates. You guys have heard me say a thousand times on here, please don't chase rate. Make sure you are getting a competitive interest rate, competitive fees, um, but don't go with the lowest bidder. The biggest, you know, cry me a river of tears, emails that Jeb and I get or phone calls are from people that went with someone who had some amazing rate, lower than anyone else in the world, and they find themselves into a world of trouble. So check with at least two so you have a point of reference. What I will say is we negotiate, you know, in a refi market, we're doing a lot of refi volume. I have a good friend that owns an escrow, and title company. We have a very low negotiated fee on those. So I have seen a loan estimate come over from another lender that the the actual box A stuff, the charges to the lender look reasonable. And then you look down and you're like, why are the escrow and title super high like this as a purchase? Because that person doesn't either doesn't care or doesn't know that you can negotiate much lower fees. So you do have to look at the whole package on a refi, because in general, you're not going to go shop for escrow and title. Your loan officer is going to do that for you. You need to make sure they've done a good job. So we have box A, then we have escrow and title. The other stuff, the government recording fees are going to be what they are, no matter who you work with. Um, but sort of on this topic, someone here, I think in the thread had mentioned that they had shopped with Rocket. Nothing wrong with shopping with with Rocket um, other than you're sort of pissing in the wind and wasting your time. You're talking to a kid in a call center. Their terms are not aggressive. They're not attractive. They're never going to be the best service, the best expertise, or the best term. So if you do talk to them, make sure you talk to another person. They are a highly trained used car salesman staff. They will tell you that you're not paying points when you are. They'll tell you you don't know how to read the LE. That's not what it says. So just be be careful in in what you're looking at. The, The reason why that comes up, Jeb, is I was actually looking at VA numbers for the, the vetted VA live last night, um, was looking at and seven of the top VA lenders by origination volume in 2023, are big call center operations that we actually in vetted VA have the tracking numbers that we know you're paying at least a quarter percent higher in interest rate, usually more like a half percent, and you're dealing with a kid in a call center. So does it matter? It absolutely matters. So make sure you're talking to a broker. If you want to talk to your bank, if you want to talk to Rocket, if you want to talk to anyone else, do that, but make sure you're at least getting a broker's quote, compare the two, and then make the decision off of knowledge, expertise, and a competitive rate and fee package.
0: And that link below will get you in touch with one of them so if you need that want a competitive quote talk to somebody outside of who you're talking to do it it's free cost you nothing check it out um kirsten came in with a nice comment, said i finally closed on my house guys uh thanks for all your help and i'll continue to watch for sure so thank you kirsten for being a loyal viewer um showing up and and asking good questions and just being here um it's much appreciated just like a lot of you guys being here now. Um, Earl maybe wins the comment of the night, uh, just says, I should have bought a house in 2008 and not been resting around in third grade. <laughs> thought that was pretty funny. Uh,
1: I, I thought that was that was the yeah. comment of the night, because the funny thing is, I'll say things like, hey, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people. They should have bought it in 2010 when prices were at all time low and it may it was cheaper even in Orange County, California, to own than to rent. And you go, Well, the reality is some people were in third grade. It wasn't really an option for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good good stuff. Um, question about this. Uh so House Hacker has made a couple different comments here, but this one I want to ask your your expertise on this. Uh says I have a jumbo VA loan that I bought in August of 2022 for six hundred and eighty-five thousand with a rate of four point three seven five. Redfin estimates estimates rather it at seven hundred and seventy-five thousand. Um, if rates drop to five percent, I'm looking to refinance and free up my va loan if i have 10 percent, so is there would this make sense josh would it make sense to refinance your loan take a, a it's five eighths of a percent higher in rate to free up your va loan
1: i, I don't think so It's a lot of money on a a decent sized loan, six hundred eighty five thousand five eighths of a percent. In the early going, you're talking $3,500 a year of interest. As that amortizes down over the long haul, if you pay that out, it's not going to be that much. And you may have an opportunity to refinance again at a lower rate, lower than what you have on the VA. The important thing to remember is if you refinance to go and get another VA loan, it's a one-time restoration. You can't just keep doing that. You can't go out, buy another property VA and then refinance that to conventional and then go and buy another. Until that first home that you've refinanced is sold, to fully restore that entitlement, you can't just keep refinancing out of other VAs. It was, the program was not meant for you to acquire a portfolio of homes. It can be used that way, but it's not quite as simple as this. So if your goal is just to get one more property, this would absolutely work. But those numbers to me, big loan, significantly higher interest rate, I would have a hard time doing it.
0: Good stuff. Um, Again, but you gotta do what's right for you. It's just, I saw the question and I thought, I probably wouldn't do that, but wanna know, Uh, a professional's advice uh mina comes in with a super chat keep up the good work guys the smart ones are listening that's nice uh it's always good to hear that right sometimes it's great to hear that because
1: lots of time in the comments we get the opposite of that
0: yeah sometimes you do feel like you're beating your head against the wall and that uh no one is listening um and that's okay too uh you know we're not here to to preach to anyone we're just here to provide education and you can use it how you want to uh so with that josh um You know, let's see here. You know, we've got a couple of the same types of questions. Do we have anything in here?
1: Let's. Well, you you got nine dollars and ninety nine cents from Maddie, but did you congratulate him on passing his real estate exam?
0: I didn't. I didn't see that. Where's he? Where did he say that? Oh, there we go. Congrats. That's awesome.
1: And and he also notified you you're not needed anymore. Josh and I will be, be taking another show from here. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
0: okay. That's fantastic. Uh, you have Wednesday you nights off
1: here. from now on.
0: That, that is fantastic. I can't, Honestly, you should do it. Uh, we should make that happen. Um, let's talk about this because I don't understand this question fully, but maybe you do. How do you qualify for the FHFA 1.75 mortgage rate discount? Are you familiar with... Uh,
1: Not not at all. The, the FHFA is the federal housing finance agency and they actually, maybe he means FHA
0: and he's talking about the 1.75% upfront uh, mortgage insurance premium. Yeah. But even that's that's the only
1: thing that sort of equates, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So Marcus, if if you want to clarify your question, we'll try to, uh, to get to it here before, before the show is over. Um, You know, haven't done this tonight but if you guys have found any value in tonight's episode do us a favor hit the thumbs up share it with a friend tell a friend about us um you know if they're looking to become educated in the home buying process you can also go check out the podcast which is josh and i's channel together uh has a youtube channel as well as an actual you know uh, audio form format only on spotify and apple and pretty much every platform out there but we talk about you know, deep dives into topics on the home buying process. Uh, we've talked to two, uh, professionals, if you will, lately, um, that, you know, have talked about rates, talked about housing. We have Logan Matashami coming up next week. Um, we also have a local, um, housing economist here in Orange County, Stephen Thomas coming up next week as well. They're not going to be published next week, but they're going to be coming up next week. Next week's episode is going to be talking about the war on home ownership, um, it's going to be a really good episode. It's going to dive into a lot of the media out there, what is being said versus reality, and really help you guys understand the market. So if you're in the market 2024, it's a good episode to listen to. And um, yeah, check it out. Share it with somebody. Uh, that that is what we, you know, gives us more uh, happiness than anything else. Um, I don't know. Can you hear the kids in the background with these headphones? Just
1: a little bit, but it's good. Yeah. It's the joy of the holiday season.
0: You know, I am. I'm working from home. Last last time I was here, the, the you know, the Murphy bed was folded up. Uh, this week, Murphy bed is down because Mimi's here to help take care of the family because of the craziness that we've been through. So, um, the bed's actually being, you know, the room is being used. It's intended purpose office slash guest room. So, I here thought we you all.
1: were going to tell us Mimi was napping right now, and she's telling you to zip it awesome. so she can get some rest. I did. I
0: did actually make the bed, though, before I came on here because I didn't know if you'd be able to see it. But, you know, anyway. Uh, let's see. Josh, this question was a, what, one that came in early. Um, maybe, I don't know if David's still here, but it says, any guidance on getting oh, a HELOC? Hopefully, he
1: actually came in 25 minutes before the show started to ask that one, and we didn't um, get
0: back to it I, I meant to click on it early, and then we got sidetracked. So, any guidance on getting a HELOC for a rental property? I talked to U.S. Bank and Rocket. They don't offer HELOCs on investment properties.
1: So just, you know, um, I'll just use this opportunity to say once again, don't call Rocket. Um, U.S. Bank and any other big banks, Chase, Wells, they got burned spectacularly bad during the, the great financial crisis. They are very restrictive on what they will do, even for owner occupied, relative to other options out there. So use the referral link down there, get connected. Um, not only can you do them on an investment property, they're gonna be more restrictive, it's gonna be a lower uh, loan to value that you'll be able to go to, you're gonna pay a higher margin, but they, they definitely do exist. There's a lot of unique products out there that um, generally only available through brokers uh, just because they're very, very niche bank statement seconds and HELOCs um, if you don't qualify from that end. So they're definitely out there. Uh, Just be aware you're going to pay a little bit of a premium for it.
0: All right. Good stuff. Um, Are there any calculators, good, solid calculators for breaking even on a house purchase, mortgage, etc., etc.? 457.325 457.325 or seven and three eighths uh rate so breaking even what do you mean like you don't want to pay any interest i mean if that's the case then you need to pay your home in cash um there's really no true way to break even but what i did say is like my loans with a big bank now right the new one when i went in logged into the system to put in my bank account information so that it just automatically takes my account out they have a pretty good like uh amortization schedule thing on there that literally like you can just drag and drop and do some you know hey you know if you put this amount down for this many months this is how much it reduces your principal balance your interest and the years on your loan like it did a lot of crazy calculations and i'm sure a lot of sites out there offer something similar um, these days does homebot do that josh or no
1: yeah, HomeBot will will let you yeah. model all sorts of things. Does it make sense to refinance? Does it make sense to pay, pay down additional principal? And we actually had a question here that kind of piggybacks on that. Select Hunt says, what's the best way to pay additional principal towards Additional towards your principal on your mortgage. There's not really a right or a wrong way to do it. Um, in the past, people would get mailers once their, their uh, loan records saying, Hey, pay us $5 a month and we'll do this for you. You can do it yourself. Just like Jeb said, almost all of the servicers, yeah. when you log in, you can sort of model what it looks like, how often you want to pay it. You can set it up just with your automatic payment. You can put an additional $100, $50. Yeah, $100. I, I just,
0: I round mine up, you know, my payment up um by by a bit and it just that auto, that automatically goes towards the principal so you know you can call and do it you can do bi- bi-weekly payments or bi-monthly payments rather um which essentially adds one additional payment to your balance and pays your loan down i mean it used to pay it down you know from like a 30 year to a 24 year or five year or something and now that rates were lower it's it's not quite as uh as crazy but um yeah there's a lot of calculators out there i would just probably use the one that is with your mortgage company.
1: Jeb, I've got I've got a question to yeah. this question. I'm not a question, yeah. it's a comment. It's Shelly it's either Shelly or Sherry. It's Shelly Sherry. But Shelly are,
0: are we getting overtaken?
1: She passed her real estate exam too, so between her and Maddie, I have been booted out too. Shelly and Maddie <laughs> so this, that, are going to come and do the show for us. The
0: Shelly and Matt show? Matt and Shelly show? Yeah. I like it. This is this uh, I could get into this. Do we still get the benefit I, I think so.
1: It's As long as we put it on our channel.
0: That's fantastic. All right. Good stuff. Um, let's see. What do we got, Josh? Thanks for...
1: Raphael has a really good one. It's graduating right, college in see. May. What would y'all advise for buying my first home in the DFW area?
0: Um, you know, I would say, you know, the, this is the advice, I, advice I, I tell everyone at this point. If you're thinking about buying a home, try to educate yourself. Uh, but work on your credit score, you know, I mean, you need a job, you know, you need to have money for a down payment, um, unless you were, you know, in the service and and able to get a VA loan. Um, now there are down payment assistance programs and all of that. So I'm not going to get into all of that. We're just going to assume you're going traditional way, going to need some sort of down payment, going to need some money, but the things that you can truly control credit score, focus on it. it. Your credit score impacts your rate and your monthly payment more so than anything else you're going to do. If you say, hey, could, would I be better getting a quarter percent better interest rate or putting another 15, $20,000 down on my loan, depending on your loan size, it's always, the rate is always going to win. And that, that can be improved. That's something you can actively work on and try to improve. So make sure your credit's good, have that money in the bank and educate yourself. Those are really the things I would focus on. What would you add to that,
1: Josh? Uh, The thing that I always want to say is we're proponents of homeownership. We think for everyone, homeownership is right. It's not right at all times. So for a younger person, it's much more important to think about the additional things that could change. So born and raised in the DFW, you're not moving. You're like, okay, cool, I'm going to be here. So maybe that's off the table. But what if you needed to move for a job? What if you needed to move for a girl? What if any Don't of those? For a people- girl. <laughs> it just depends. Don't she might be the her right one. Jeb, you sound Have like her Scrooge. Move for you. you sound you like know, Scrooge. I- You're selfish. You're selfish,
0: you Jeb. Know, here's here's what I'll say. Well, I didn't move for a girl, but I met a girl in college that, and I I ended up where I am in California because I met because I did meet her. I just like California, so I was like, I'm going to California. You know, even with, though we weren't together. So a lot of things have happened in my life because of of the girl that that uh, that we originally met that was from California. But chasing, you know, it, I just I don't know. I see a lot of uh, of mistakes happen in those instances. So. But
1: just think through right. all of the things that could change in your life that could make it where you don't have that five to seven year time horizon that we always advise certainly not trying to talk you out of home ownership. think home is awesome but just for younger folks especially um consider all of the things that might move yeah. you around you're, the country
0: yeah you're early in life i mean if, if you do decide to buy make sure you buy a property that it, you know it's possible to keep it rent it out and it makes sense i mean that that's you want to build wealth long term that's that's how you I mean start buying property young and 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 be able to keep it I mean that's really it but yeah Josh pointed out an important thing it's you're so early in life if I would have bought a property when I was you know graduating college I mean I mean it would have been it would have been a really good move if I still had it today but the reality is, you know, who knows what would have happened between now and then.
1: We would have know? had some spectacular parties if
0: I had bought when I was 22. <laughs> you know, my wife, it's funny, like my 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 middle guy, he he talks about wanting to go back to school there. Like it's, he just, he's infatu- infatuated by it. So we talked about, hey, maybe we should buy a property there now. So that when they do go back to, if he does go back to school there, we have it. And if not, then we just, you know, sell it at some point. So I'm like, eh, I don't know, maybe not an awful idea. Uh, anyway, guys, it is... 559 I didn't even plan to be here Uh, this is kind of a surprise to me as well um, as it probably was to Josh but I just want to say thank you guys I'm grateful for the support Um, you know happy holidays to everyone Um, appreciate you guys showing up and being here every week if you find value you know show us by liking and subscribing and sharing us with your friends and Josh what are your thoughts
1: um it's it's yeah Everything's interesting. We had a lot happen here in the last week. We've seen big spike up here in the fourth quarter in interest rates, a big drop in interest rates. We're kind of back where we started, but things trending in the right direction. Do your research, make the best decisions for you. Most of you guys watching are not owners and and considering thinking, wanting to own and you are educating yourself, Um, but go through it and make the right decision for you again over a lifetime homeownership is the right decision for nearly everyone. It is not always the right decision. So go through, measure out, weigh the pros and cons, and and make the best and right decision for you.
0: And finally, guys, be grateful. Appreciate the small things. Don't sweat the small things. And uh, until next week, adios. Amigos. Thanks for listening to The Educated Homebuyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.